Hi, filmmakers. Welcome to the Short Film Pod, hosted by Leonie Marsh and myself, Jacoby Gray. Today, we're talking to writer-director Kevin Lim and cinematographer Aaron McCliskey. Kevin's been a writer-director in the advertising industry for TV commercials and branded content campaigns totaling 30 million views. And Aaron is a graduate in screen production from Macquarie University and has worked across various mediums including music videos, commercials and television. Together they've made three short films, Lycan, The Pledge for Mr Bunny and Whispers Among Wolves. They've screened at over 25 international film festivals including Sydney, Palm Springs and Tropfest and have been sold for distribution on Amazon Prime. Whispers Among Wolves was named by Short of the Week as one of 2017's 10 Best Shorts, which is pretty awesome. Aaron was also the DOP on my short film The Beehive, which Leonie produced, and he was an absolute joy to collaborate with. Let's get started. So how did you guys actually meet, and what is it about your creative relationship that keeps you guys working together? Well, <laughs> many years ago, uh, Kevin and I met working at a small agency in Sydney. First time Kevin and I met was actually on a job and Kev was producing and I'd come in as sort of a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed kid who was just looking to get into anything production. And it sort of all started from there, really. We worked in various roles. We worked across various advertising campaigns in different capacities as creatives. Kev did a lot of writing, but we spent a lot of time going out on the road, shooting projects together, just really getting to know each other and sort of growing a friendship and a creative partnership, but always in our downtime amongst all the different commercial work that we do together. Just chat about the dream, about creating cinema and telling stories and and always would just riff on ideas and joke about different things. And I think Kev was a secret genius and he was constantly writing and always sort of sharing ideas with me and and I always kind of loved collaborating with him and we'd always just sort of jam on things and constantly be talking about different ways that we would approach a certain idea or uh, project so that was kind of like where it all began is in a in a production company in Sydney Um, relationship is pretty indicative of how we've always worked I mean I don't see it as me being the writer director and Aaron being the cinematographer we're very much um, creative partners and throughout all these shorts I've always shared ideas with Aaron up front and he's always been very generous with his time and we've always sat down and jammed out the ideas together and road tested different possibilities of how stuff could work and yeah I think that's just indicative of how we've worked. So how long did it take you guys from all that working together and dreaming and and chatting and discussing, how long did it take for you to then actually start your first project together? So I believe we met in 2009 Mm -hmm. and like we started thinking about it. I remember the exact moment distinctly. It was December 2010 just said, look, I've got this idea for a short. I don't know where it's going to go, but here it is what do you think? And then from that, that's where it grew. And then by, I think, October 2011, we were 
already in casting and, and shooting by about November, December. What made you think the sh- a short film was the best vehicle for your creative partnership? Well, we always wanted to get into film and we knew we couldn't just jump into a feature or an idea for a TV show. So a short just seemed like the, the logical next step. With Lycan, we, didn't, we, we thought it was a modest idea. It wasn't anything too crazy. So it was something to cut our teeth on. So we thought that it was something that we could dip our toes into the water, as it were, and pull it off and hopefully pull it off quite well and confidently. How did you guys crew up? Were you able to reach out and lean on the contacts you'd made with the, in your production jobs previously? What I should say is that um, out of this advertising agency, it wasn't just me and Aaron. There was also April, our intrepid producer across all three shorts, as well as first Sammy and then Kent, who were our editors. Sammy on Mike and, and then Kent on Mr Bunny and Wolves. So we were all working together in that same place and we all decided to form this collective. But in terms of external crew, yeah, it was basically us pulling favours from all the gaffers and grips and art department people that we'd given a lot of work to through our advertising days and then saying, hey, we gave you a good deal on that one, so just remember, well, it's time for our short film that you'll do us an eight's rates and help us out. And this collective, this is Soda Honey Films, is that right? Yeah, correct. Tell us about this idea of a collective because a lot of our listeners are emerging filmmakers, are thinking about making a film, haven't done one yet. I love this idea of getting a gang of friends together and creating together. Tell us how that works. I would describe it as like forming a band. Uh, (laughs) There's no hierarchy I think every member has an equal say and it's just an excuse to get together and jam when we were working in this particular agency with this shared sort of passion and frustration for actually not creating the things that we wanted to because irony obviously of advertising is we're still servicing stories or concepts from creative directors or creatives from our agencies or brands themselves once we recognized that it wasn't just Kevin and I that were the ones who wanted to create, there was a collection of people in this advertising agency. We thought together we're stronger. Um, and especially, you know, this idea of creating something with nothing requires a lot of effort, time um, and money. By creating a collective and, a, you know, a flat structure, every idea was welcome. We'd all sit down and obviously we had our strengths. April was producing... Kent and, and Sammy were editing, Kev was writing, directing, I was starting to shoot, but we would still approach it collectively and without any ego and the best idea wins. We actually uh, created this uh, Tuesday night ritual where we'd all go to the pub and we'd basically share ideas or thoughts or scripts. Out of those meetings, we would create a bit more of a systematic approach because the other thing with all these projects is how do you actually execute something from an idea? So the collective was the foundation for everything. Um, mm-hmm. So Because Kevin had been talking about ideas for so long, but we were never going to be able to do it on our own. And even though we'd have built up these relationships and favours with advertising crew, we still needed to have other people in place that were willing to go above and beyond in terms of time and not just the shoot day. There's a lot of pre-production, location scouting. There's so many other elements 
that go into creating a shore, which we learnt along the way. But without the collective, I don't think it would have been possible. So I getting down into the nitty gritty of your relationship and pre-production, Kevin, as the writer director, and when you're writing the script, do you start visioning what you want the project to look like? And how do you communicate that to Aaron? We would go to the movies a lot and just say, eh, it's like this bit, or, you know, would be all, you know, in the zeitgeist of watching whatever hot new TV show there was. And we'd always be sending reference to each other going, oh, see this scene, it's, it's like that. But in terms of when it started getting into heavy pre-pro, once the script was locked down, I'd storyboard everything. And then from that, we'd start looking at references. we start building that into a bit of a lookbook and then kind of go from there. Kev is he's an incredible artist. Kev's ability to draw a frame, for me, as a cinematographer, you know, be able to say, all right, this is the angle, this is an idea, this is a starting point. I was incredibly lucky because from Kevin's ability to storyboard, I knew straight away what he was thinking. And because we'd worked in this agency, we'd all sort of had various experience with editing and sourcing and creating different pitch documents and drawing reference. And so all of those skill sets we've sort of developed we would, would share with each other. Do you guys consult on ev- like every single scene and talk about how you can best shoot it to draw out the, the emotion that you're trying to capture in the scene? Yeah, absolutely. I think in advertising, we were taught a certain language of communication, which was very much one way and a very aesthetics-based about creating what ads do create. And I think with filmmaking, there's a slightly different thing going on and we were always challenging ourselves and making sure that we weren't approaching it like an ad so thinking about making up your shot lists and knowing the time restrictions that you'll have with the short film how did you guys compose those lists and what did you decide to drop when you were on set and things you were running out of time well as true advertising professionals (laughs) I think we we developed really good discipline and Kev knew exactly what he wanted. In terms of our approach, it was quite refined. I think, you know, we ended up freeing these projects quite well. Um, we spent a lot of time scrutinising frames. And if you look at all three of our films, there is a certain journey there for us as, creation, as creators and um, filmmakers. I, I definitely can say that Kev's approach which I share, you know, in in terms of pre-planning and being really specific around intention and not just letting things occur in the edit, being a little bit more disciplined in terms of script to screen. I think we tried to be as planned as possible and we were very reasonable with our scheduling and we weren't trying to be overly ambitious with our ideas. We're quite professional. And, And for us, that was the exercise, right? It was sort of saying... Can we conceptualize something, shoot it, edit it, and along the way? I think most of the discussion for us would occur in editing and, and omitting certain scenes or, or dialogue or angles or when, when do you cut. But it was never on the shoot day. For memory. Now, if there's one takeout, it's that we treated our jobs in advertising as like our master's degree at films. Mm. 
and we got all our mistakes out while luckily being paid for it. Yeah. So at the time we got to our shorts, for better or for worse, I thought by the time we were making these films, we were pretty disciplined. We knew what worked, what didn't work, what's realistic for the time and schedule. So I think pretty much all the shoots went relatively well, except yeah. for the only one that we were probably stretched at was with Mr. Bunny, mainly because we were shooting to a deadline for Tropfest. Mm. It was in December, so it was horrible to try and get people to do favours for us and we were working with kids, which was mm. just... Yeah. How do you approach working with actors? Because that's not part of your background. So how do you do that? But especially working with children, it's another ballgame altogether. Yeah. Well, I think quickly going through all three films, I think with Lycan, I was reminded by the actors, like, hey, this isn't an ad. You don't need to control us like puppets. And we can play more. We can explore. We don't have to hit certain beats at a certain time, like an ad where it's like, you've got the drink of Coca-Cola, you know, take a sip, turn to camera, smile. Mm, all in seconds. Exactly, yeah. And so that was a really big learning experience for me, having mainly just been directing ads. And then with Bunny, working with kids, yeah, that's just its own dilemma. It was very tough. I think the big takeout from that was don't feed them sugar on the day. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a general parenting rule. Yeah. So, listen. <laughs> and then one of the reasons we wanted to do was because me as a writer director, I really wanted to dive into something meatier with actors and treat it a bit more like a play. Let's sit around and talk about your childhood trauma and your character's intention for this line and that kind of thing. So, that's what I really wanted to get out of that third film. And luckily I had, well, unfortunately I didn't quite get that because I had two such great actors that were perfect for the role. I didn't really have to deep dive that much. What was your casting process? Did you work with a casting agent or did you know actors from your um, days as in the advertising agency? We basically worked with agents that we had cast for in our advertising days. Big favourite of ours is um, Sophie German Management. So she's just you know, a dear, dear contact and where I've sourced a lot of my actors from. Uh, with Lycan, I think it was just um, Arkosh, uh, who was our male lead. He was in another friend's short film. And so we kind of liked the look of him. And then when we got him on board, we were like, hey, we really need a female lead. We don't know. Anyone, do you know anyone in your social circles? And I think he had just gone to an audition for, was it The Great Gatsby? And he had met Haley through just a chance meeting. And so he put her up. And so that's how we got her. So that was kind of serendipitous. But for Bunny and Wolves, it was all through Sophie German and the great relationship I have with uh, her and our agency. Mm, and Sophie was actually the reason we met. Exactly, yes. Because she helped Leonie and I cast another Sophie, the lead in Aquarium, and when we were all going to Palm Springs, Sophie was like, hey, guys, I should set you, you guys up. There's another sort of set of Aussies headed, headed over. Yes, indeed. She is uh, the great. nexus point. 
So with your editing process, do you allow them to do an assembly cut or do you like to be there right from the start? I definitely think we'd, we'd work with them so much. Um, there was a lot of trust yeah. and being part of the collective, you know, there, there was a lot of that flat structure of just going absolutely. So all in the edit together? There'd be an assembly. There'd be a, a rushes that would be exported like dailies if you would, and Kev would watch the rushes, give notes on takes because we didn't have huge camera departments and we weren't taking continuity notes as such. Kent has a very strong voice and a very good opinion and he's a great editor. And the same goes for Sammy Lee. And I think we'll allow them an opportunity to go and assemble their edits, get their sequences in, in line and present some sort of edit. A lot of the times films are reborn in the edit process so we're more than happy to see how things come about. I think as the films have gotten more and more scripted there probably is less chance for deviation I would say. So even though like with Walls we try new things you know it is it is very much like a Coen Brothers kind of script. Uh, The candidates and the jokes are very much set on the page so you can't really stray too far from that. And the intention. It's one scene, essentially, with, yeah. I mean, I yeah. love the way you, you do in, create those two other sort of memories um, and, and memories. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I imagine there's not much room for deviation. But so with Lycan, it was, you had your assembly cut and then you were thinking, oh, we may need to switch or switch this around, create a more climactic structure, or what was it that was you felt was missing because I we've spoken in other podcasts about the assembly cut and the assembly cut blues. Yeah, I think the assembly cut blues are real for anyone, no matter how good the material is. You just want to jump off a ledge or put a gun in your mouth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think with Lycan, what I envisaged wasn't quite working, so we had to do some clever editing and switch things around. I remember what was storyboard and, and scripted didn't work. So, yeah, with some clever editing, it actually saved it in the end. I love these stories. Mm. And, I mean, this is the thing that I guess our listeners almost need to know, that it sometimes what you envisage is not what you end up with, but that doesn't mean you can't create something just as magical and sometimes you have to surrender to the process. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's the old say, there's there's three films that exist, the one that is written, the one that is shot, and then the one that is edited. So definitely people underestimate the power of editing and Mm. how it shapes a film. So you've been uh, writing a feature, Kevin. How do you think, having written three really successful short films, how do you feel the short film process, writing process, differs to writing a much larger beast? Oh, (laughs) Uh, it doesn't. I was just not prepared for how tough it was for me to write this feature. Um, The shorts kind of fell out of me in serendipitous moments throughout my life. So I thought it would be easy. And then when I got to the feature, it was really hard work and a lot of discipline. Those lightning bottle moments just didn't happen. So it was about a year to a year and a half of just a lot of work, a lot of discipline, uh, living and breathing it every day. 
until you know something cracked. It was it was like you're beating your head against a brick wall for a year and a half, really. So it didn't prepare me at all. Um, is is my answer, and yeah, I found it very tough. Right. It's so much more of a marathon, isn't it? The feature. It, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You need the stamina and, the, and as you say, that discipline, half of it's just turning up and just getting some words down and you think it's rubbish, but you've just got to put it in every day, every day, and you, it yeah, will eventually that, evolve. Yeah. It was like um, Paul Thomas Anderson, I think this says like, you know, he gets up at 5am every day and just writes 20 pages and it's garbage, but something, and that's just one step in front of the other. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting too, thinking about your advertising background from 30 second commercials, say, to short filmmaking, you guys must have found it so refreshing to have all this time to play in a short film. And within the three shorts, you've experimented with very different lengths. Bunny is seven minutes for Tropfest and then Whispers is nearly 18 minutes, isn't it? It's a, a much longer short film. How did you find the varying lengths and what do you prefer? I think we've always been quite disciplined about not overstaying our welcome. Maybe it's a detriment to us in that, you know, we're always, we're, we still sometimes think in advertising ways how can we communicate this information as visually and quickly as possible but i think it's however long the idea needs to be i think we're always trying to think about not overstaying our welcome but we'll always work to the time that services the idea the best that idea of short films being short and time when we made like in there was no consideration of time it was how do we tell the story quickly and efficiently. Um, and then after doing our first short, we learned a lot about festivals and time restrictions and certain formulas that may or may not impact the way that we would approach the next short film. And then going to Trotfest, there was actually a time restriction. Um, and that was a challenge, thinking about how can we tell a story with a beginning, middle and end um, that has a bit of a punchline, a joke structure, um, but still allows us to be cinematic, potentially touch on deeper themes. Um, and once we'd done Trotfest and we were successful with that, and we thought it's a great format to play in, and it's this very specific type of storytelling, mm. which is similar to an advertising restrictions, we then decided to branch it. You know, we, we ultimately the goal was to move closer to feature world. And the theory behind, you know, what... Kev's writing of Whispers was that we wanted to do many things. We wanted to explore performance. We wanted to push, you know, this idea of dialogue, seeing as how we'd gone from a silent film to a film basically of a two-hander, people talking in a restaurant. We'd be strategic and thinking about the format of short films and how we can utilise them for just our own creative process, but also what's required out there in terms of the short film. And now with Vimeo and different platforms, I think, Things are changing, but in terms of the holy grail of short films, there are restrictions mm. and there are different formats and it's good to research just to know that a short film can satisfy festival requirements. It can do a lot for you in that regard. But also as we were sort of laddering up to this idea of making a film, creating a proof of concept that 
articulated tone, an ability to direct performance, all these things, those are also things we were thinking about when we were making Wolves. I think you've pulled it off beautifully. I, I think you guys obviously really consider what you're making and wh- which story will fit best in what sort of length. You execute it beautifully. You've got three really wonderful pieces of work there all in their own right. You can sense and appreciate that work, that prep that you've put in. Thank you very much. Aaron, you've branched out and done other things. Just interested for all the filmmakers listening to this, what do you consider when you're offered a job on a short film as cinematographer that, that actually makes you accept the, the role? Look, I think having done a lot of shorts with Kev, having done many other shorts with other filmmakers, creatives, for me it just comes down to um, resonating with a creative idea. I think there's a lot of time and energy that goes into short filmmaking. And for me, it's worth it. But there's so much freedom in short filmmaking. And as a cinematographer, now that I'm working on TV drama and I've done films and things, like, it's kind of interesting how there are, there are more restrictions, more expectations, more pressures, more stress in the, the jobs that I'm doing now. And the freedom to have to play in short films is something that's so liberating. I will continue to do short films no matter what. So for me as a creative, I think it's about story. It's about connecting with that story or it's about connecting with the the vision of the creator and, and thinking that this is somebody that I could really collaborate with and somebody that would allow me to be more than a camera operator. Kevin and I have developed our relationship. It's been so equal. It's been so free. I'm able to speak up about things that are more just technical or lighting based or composition but you know it's more mm-hmm. story based because that informs cinematography i mean that we're all one and the same there are no requirements other than the fact that i would love to see a script um i love to meet people in person um budget time all these things come second i think you know they can be worked out um but for me it's just story resonate um and can, can, we, can we create something together that's going to be powerful and free? I think this collective background that you guys have had has just been such a wonderful way to begin filmmaking. We worked with you, Aaron, on Jack's film, The Beehive, and it was such a pleasure working with you because you were a collaborator, and that's what filmmaking is, particularly shorts. So what advice do each of you have for anybody embarking on their first short film through the lessons that you've learned? Let's see. <laughs> Big sigh. <laughs> if you're a writer-director out there wanting to find some like-minded people, go out there with the mindset of you're not trying to form a government with you as president, you're trying to form a band. And it's you know very Silicon Valley-ish flat structure where everyone has an equal say. It's collaboration. It's about those relationships that you make and go out and have fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's the main thing. I think persistence 
respect. In the early days, I think it's about dreaming and ignorance is bliss. Trying to be realistic is something that's important, but I think it's really important to just think big and, and, and then keep enjoying the process. Like filmmaking is hard and it, it never gets easy. And if you're going to keep doing it, you've really got to find the thing that you love and that may be the people and that may be the process and just really keep feeding that, that fire because it can get tough, but it's so rewarding when things are going right. But I think what we learned is that through discipline and being a little bit more professional and treating people with respect and taking it seriously at the same time as having fun meant that I think the production was a reflection of that is that we're able to achieve things that we wanted to. Yeah. And can I just say, final thing, <laughs> form a band, but don't be a rock star. There are oh, directors who <laughs> feel that they can be the personality, you know, the wild man, the, cr- the mad creative genius who has no schedule, can be and show up to set, not have a shot list, just make it up as he goes along. Or there are the directors that I really respect, like Kubrick, who just had an incredible attention to detail and considered every single aspect. The director needs to be able to answer every question that gets thrown at him or her on the day. So you need to be prepared to have those answers ready. Mm, Very wise words. Do your homework. Do your your homework. Okay, are you ready for a rapid fire round? Locked and loaded. Are you a texter or a talker? Texter. I'm a talker. Right. Favourite genre? Sci-fi. Black comedy. In the cinema, popcorn or Maltesers? Both. <laughs> you can't answer both. <laughs> can't. He, th- yes, that's allowed. Oh, okay. That's right. uh, popcorn. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Netflix. Favourite filmmaker? Kubrick. Paul Thomas Anderson. What was the first film you were ever involved with and in what capacity? Lycan, writer, director. Squid. Behind the scenes slash editor. Uh, What was the last film you worked on? Wolves. (laughs) The School, a horror film. Oscars or Golden Globes? Neither. Neither. <laughs> Pass. And last one, career highlight to date. Staring into Aaron's beautiful blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Staring into Karen's beautiful brown eyes. There you have it. What a partnership. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, jump online and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Share with a friend and write us a review. And until next time, filmmakers, keep creating.